Greetings pod people and welcome to another episode of Strangers to the Multiplex. Um, it's myself, Rob, and Neil this evening. The woods are floating somewhere by the island and Darius could be hungover as we speak, so it's just me and Neil. Given the recent developments um, and news that production of the Suicide Squad sequel, Gotham Sirens, has gathered a pace, we thought we would take a look back at 2002 Birds of Prey. We're going to watch the unaired pilot, which has a few differences to the one that eventually made network television. And we're going to have a discussion about it now. Anything you'd like to add, Neil? I, I think it's worth just putting it in historical context as well. So this this was on the WB uh, as Buffy was running, albeit waning in popularity to a certain extent. We've had Smallville on American Way TV for a while when this came out. Batman died with Batman and Robin. Uh, is Schumacher? Yeah, Joel Schumacher in 1997, Batman and Robin. Um, Christopher Nolan has yet to write. Batman Begins. Batman Begins is not till 2005. Wow. So it, it it's very much a DC universe in a bit of a transition without any clear direction, Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say that um, Birds of Prey does very much wear its influences on its sleeve. But like, like Neil said, 1997 was the last Batman movie. So Birds of Prey tends to play down the camp. It's certainly very cautious in terms of bright colours. Yeah, it, it's, trying to be, it's trying to be darker, but it's still lighter than Burton's Batman, isn't it? It is. It's more Batman by way of Charmed or Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Yep. The, the uh, WB network had success the year before with Smallville which was a success for them for a good 10 years. And I do think, to a certain degree, Birds of Prey is an attempt to recapture that magic. Quite interesting. They've not got the pining demographic there. So not your yet. Dawson's and your Smallville were always about unrequited love to a certain extent, especially mm. in the earlier seasons. Um, and you don't really see that in Birds of Prey, do you? Not from the pilot and the first few episodes I've actually seen, no. No. I don't think Batman has much, has much room for pining, does he? No, no, he doesn't like pine. He <laughs> doesn't like pine. Well, don't come in. But I think it's, it's interesting as well. We're talking about Batman, and yet Batman doesn't really appear in Birds of Prey. Um, I think Birds of Prey is aimed more at female demographic, would you say? It's worth noting as well, stylistically, it does borrow from The Matrix. And The Matrix was released in 1999, so I, I think the influence of The Matrix was felt all the way through the culture. And it just makes sense that it um, bleeds out into television. Yeah, they couldn't afford bullet time in this, though. So so it's more about dark costumes and leather, wasn't it? Yes. Trinity from the Matrix. Costumes yeah. very Trinity-like, aren't they? I think the Huntress in this is very kind of Trinity. And obviously, Huntress in this as well is a metahuman. They explain that um, Catwoman, who's Huntress's mother, was a metahuman. Yeah. Um, Huntress was the love child of Catwoman and Batman, as such, she's inherited some of the metahuman genes of her mother, and there are several scenes where her eyes change, change don't they? Into into a cat's eye, into which, cat's eye, which yeah. is very much like. Uh, and you might be too young for this. Thanks, mate. Can you remember Simon McCorkendale in Manimal? 
I've heard of it. Oh, you've got to, you've got to check that out. <laughs> Listeners, check that out. It, it's fantastically camp. Uh, yeah, but, but that normally indicated his transition from being into whatever animal it was. It, it was that his eyes changed first. Okay. So it's very reflective of very that, reflective I think. Yeah. That. And also, I think that we mentioned Buffy the Vampire Slayer earlier. It's not a million miles away from Angel, is it? No. So, certainly the way it's filmed, uh, I think we talked later on about it looks like it was still filmed on video. majority of it was set rather than outside filming. Yes. Um, which means that they, they could obviously control the budgets and the effects a bit more. But it, it does give it a slightly kind of hyper-real feel. Well, I'm, I'm sure some critics would have said comic book feel. Let's, if we're, we're looking at Birds of Prey. We've said the Batman comes afterwards before. Obviously, Gotham comes afterwards. Yeah. The interesting thing with that is in between Birds of Prey and Gotham, you do have Nolan's Batman Begins, which strips the Batman um, franchise back, didn't it? Very kind of a ground roots. Well, actually, Volante's universe came before Gotham as well. Mm. How does Birds of Prey, um, how does it compare to the Volante universe? Uh, I, I don't think it's as well realised. Um, I would say that Arrow does seem like a kind of natural progression from Birds of Prey. Obviously, it's not kind of female-centric, but I, I definitely think that there are elements of it that are very similar. Um, we, were, we were saying earlier, wasn't we, the use of metahumans, yes, which yeah. Belanti has carried forward, um, and they also did that in Smallville as well. Metahumans were a big thing in Smallville. And this takes on a lot of early Buffy, early Smallville, in the fact that it is kind of freak of the week. Very much so, yes. Um, and to be fair, I think even like Arrow and Flash, you often get Freak of the Week, don't yeah, you? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very reliable structure to see the episode. But I guess that it's becoming less and less so in Belanti Kreisberg universe because it, it's Freak of the Week is the subplot. It's like the third kind of C plot, isn't it? Rather than the overall arc and, and emotional kind of interplay and that's because they've managed to build on that over a couple of seasons yeah, yeah. we now know who the characters are we now know how the characters relate to each other I'd like to think if Birds of Prey did get to a second or even third season the plots would be a bit more substantial they would be a bit more character driven as opposed to here's a baddie the WB didn't do that with Smallville for a long long time it was only towards the end that they really started arcing it sure do you know what my favourite Smallville banks is go on Amy Adams actually appeared in Smallville. She was one of the monsters of the week in the first season. I think everybody's appeared in Smallville. Mm. Can you think of anybody else who popped up in Smallville? Would that be a job for the fact-checking monkey? Yes, yeah. I'm sure he'll list off loads. Hello, fact-checking monkey here. In addition to Amy Adams, Smallville has seen Jensen Ackles, Kobe Smulders, Adrian Brody, Lizzie Kaplan, Tyler Posey, Linda Carter, Evangeline Lilly, Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, Dean Kane, and Terry Hatcher, all guest star. <laughs> I like to think that's the first of many. Uh, <laughs> I think it will be. We, we, did, we did discuss um, very briefly earlier the showrunner for um, Birds of Prey is, I'm going I'm to confuddle this absolutely, Laita Calogridis. Yeah, later Caligridis. Yeah, that looks right to me. That looks right to you, I'm yeah. glad. Um, she, she's the show... I'm not... She's created it. I couldn't find anything to suggest she was also the showrunner. Um, it's like if you look at how many writers were uncredited 
on Birds of Prey if you go on IMDb. Mm. Um, it's, it's a massive list. It just goes on forever. You can be scrolling down for a good half an hour. And they only made 13 episodes. Yeah. They didn't even get to a full season. Um, we're going we're gonna to cut to... Um, we're going to cut to samples of me and you'll be discussing this show while watching it. But the one thing that we did come across um, was very much sort of a charmed vibe. They've, they've obviously made this show to appeal to teenage girls. I'd agree. Yeah? C- completely. Al- although I'm not sure that they've pitched it right. I think there's some confusion as to who, what kind of show it is. Yeah. I, 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 I get the feeling, I think, and this is, hindsight is 2020 vision, but I, I do think that stuff pitched at women and girls probably up to the last five years has a fuse tone because they're not sure where exactly they're going to pitch it to the audience. Now, okay, you've got a female showrunner here, but how much was she influenced by the network at the time? If you compare it to something like Jessica Jones, Mm. which has a female showrunner, very much empowered woman, doesn't talk down, doesn't need the romantic edge... And and yet that's been very very successful. But but I, I do think that they were, you know, basically it was a network run by men at one point with a female showrunner, who could, who probably had to edit quite a lot to please her her overlords. That's quite possible. Yes. Um. What are the what are the triumphs of Birds of Prey? No, I think I think the effects are pretty good for TV. Yeah. Um. I I would equ- I would equate it to something like Futurama's. Backdrop. I think that would be around about the same time. Yeah, quite possibly. Roughly. Um, it is trying to do something different. It is a predominantly female cast. Uh, protagonist and antagonists are all most mostly female. Um, the plot arc is driven by a, an evil female, as it were, and they're trying their best with it. it. It kind of messes with logic sometimes, and I can see why it would frustrate your DC fan. Because it, it's not really canon. No, I think the there's lots of callbacks to the Joker and Batman. Yeah, and neither of them have a particular strong influence over the plot. Yeah, this this can these three characters can continue their mission without ever speaking about Batman or Joker again. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it sets the story up, and that's pretty much it. But although I was reading the episode guide, and I know Lady Shiver turns up. Lady Shiver was a female ninja in the Batman uh, comics who was associated with, I want to say, the League of Assassins. Is that what so, Razagul. Razagul, yeah. yeah. So, I thought that was quite cool. There's obviously opportunities to bring in some of the sort of DC Comics lore. And I'd like to think of a show carried on that might find some more of that. Yeah. And I think you'll probably hear this in the commentary, but we did say they missed an opportunity, especially in the pilot, where they could have bought the Scarecrow in Absolutely. as a villain. It would have fit exactly with the Scarecrow's M.O. Yep. And again, the Scarecrow, much like Nolan proved in Batman Begins, the Scarecrow can be done quite a budget. Yeah. You don't have to be... He doesn't have a big... Piece of paper that he can write down some riddles. <laughs> Here, give me this. Yeah. What um, was was this show to continue? What other sort of DC villains or characters can you 
was important. So. I, I think they would have had to establish the uh, birds of prey a little more. Um, obviously, in the comic books, you know, I think it started in '96. Birds of prey. Um, they weren't actually mentioned as birds of prey until like 50 issues in or something. I think sure. the, the characters didn't refer to themselves as birds of prey. Uh, 2003, they added the Huntress, but we've also had female Martian Manhunter. Uh, we've had Power Girl. You know, there's been quite a, a roster. Because you, you can imagine them doing a crossover of the Smallville for Power yeah. Girl, can't you? Yeah, because uh, they, they, that's. Did, was was small was our Power Girl actually in Smallville? I know she's supposed to be Superman's cousin. Or yeah, yeah. It's a woman out of Bitten. I can't remember who. Fat checker monkey. Yeah. That'll be Laura Vandervoort, who's gone on to play Indigo in Volante's Supergirl. Of course. <laughs> of course. He, he does his work so swiftly, that moment. Bless him. <laughs> um, so, who, anybody else you'd like to see included? Um, I, I, think, I think you're right in the fact that, that it, it's kind of like what I hoped the Legends of Tomorrow would be, which is a rotating roster, sure. a better rotating roster of of B-list uh, superheroes. And I, I think they would have had the opportunity to kind of rotate them a little more. Uh, a Smallville crossover would have been, would have actually been quite good. Money, wouldn't but it? I would have imagined that Commissioner Gordon would have made an appearance. Yeah. Um, obviously, we've got Barbara Gordon. I can't, I can't believe they would have ignored that connection. No. But, but we did, we've talked about it as well, about the potential for the rights and, God knows how that. complex and messed up it was at the time. Because obviously Superman, uh, Superman, Smallville, couldn't refer to him as Superman. Really? Was that yeah, one? yeah. I, they couldn't afford him to be called Superman. So that's why they gave him loads of different names during it, like the, the Blur and <laughs> st- stuff like that, which, which I think they called The Flash at some point in the first season. The red blur, did they? Um, I maybe. Can't remember. I've, I've seen very little. I won't ask fast check, fact checking monkey that one because he won't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> knowing the monkey as I do. Yeah, knowing him as I do. Quite well. <laughs> Actually, I could find no evidence to support this claim that the producers couldn't use the Superman name. Clark was often referred to in this series as the red blue blur or the blur. Um, but yeah, I, I think if, if you'd had a more of an established Smallville. With, with a built-up world, it, it might have helped in the longer run with Birds of Prey. It's probably a bit too premature. Sure. But, like, I, again, I think today the success of The Flash and Arrow today shows there is a market for that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, we did mention the showrunner, whose name I murdered. It's worth mentioning that she does have quite a few uh, screenplay credits to her name. She is responsible for Shutter Island. She is responsible for the Nightwatch movie. Yes, Russian thing. which we forgot when we were talking about it earlier on. She's a responsible for Terminator Genesis. Mm. Yeah, I kind of think that was been written by committee as well. Yeah. And she is also uh, working on the upcoming Battle Android Elite screenplay. Yeah. Long, um, long germination period for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've got to, for, for Elite, we've got to wait to see how well Ghost in the Shell does at the box office before... They decide to commit to that. Though it is on the roster for 2018. It's been on the roster for quite some time, though, hasn't it? It's been, they've been trying to make Yeah, they kind of keep pushing it back. Do you think um, Avatar's kind of stopped it? I don't know. I, I think it might have something to do with the fact that Hollywood isn't quite sure yet whether 
manga, there's an appetite for manga outside of manga produced in Japan. Sure. But with the rise of the Chinese market, because uh, I believe manga is quite po popular over there now. In fact, Complementary Copies is right here. There's a very interesting article from May 2016 in Forbes magazine about China being obsessed with Japanese anime. Um, I would imagine they're seeing this as potentially manga properties as new franchises. Why not? You can only do so many superheroes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I think that's pretty much it on um, Birds of Prey. Yep. We did watch the unaired pilot. Um, you can find it on... Daily Motion. Thank you. Daily With loads Motion. of adverts. <laughs> yeah, enjoy the adverts. They're somewhat random. Okay, sit back and enjoy. Strangers out. New Gotham police claim to have dismantled the largest organized crime ring in the city's history tonight after a firefight at the city dockyards, resulting in explosions that were visible for miles. Rumors persist that the real target was a shadowy madman known only as the Joker. Mom! Mom, can you hear me? It's Helena. Mom, you have to. You have to. You have to hear me. Mom! Stop him! Somebody stop him! Somebody stop him! Somebody stop him! It's like Buzz Lightyear. All, all, all the way through. And I like the fact that her hair's longer, so um, therefore she's younger. Yes. I, I, I saw something on the internet where the guy was saying that really they should have made her um, the canary because she, yeah. she was blonde anyway in real life, yeah. and she's basically wearing a canary suit. That's, yeah, that's that's a that's a very odd costume. It's not a good costume at all. And apparently the costume was repainted from Batman and Robin. In 1997. Yeah, yeah. It, it's actually the repainted version of the, the same costume. I that like yeah. I think it's a lot better than the flashes now. Green Arrow is a lot more closer to the comics. They look better on Alicia Silverstone though. attempt to destroy his criminal empire once and for all. Criminals at the scene insist they were attacked by a mysterious masked vigilante who they call Batman and his partner Batgirl. Veteran New Gotham City Police Commissioner James Gordon refused to comment saying only that two unidentified law enforcement agents were responsible for bringing the Joker into police custody. A fatal stabbing in downtown New Gotham. Reports are coming in that the victim is the infamous Selena Kyle, the mysterious and beautiful businesswoman once accused of leading a double life as a jewel thief called Catwoman. <laughs> I like the fact the newscaster was a lesbian crush. Lock, lock. Who's there? That girl. Past tense. <laughs> That's actually Mark Hamill doing the voice.
so the daughters oh, dine no, aren't. Well, I, I actually did. Uh, I, I kind of feel quite good about my music after listening <laughs> to this. It's like a cast off of a Once More with Feeling. Yeah. It's like I'm under your spell. Is he playing? Is he got? Is his character called Jerry? It's cool. I'm good. But it's quite interesting because both the uh, CW and WB, as it was, made quite a lot of money out of positioning music into programs for licensing purposes. Okay. So they actually used it. Their parent companies used it as a, a soundboard sure. for for kind of selling this kind of right. shite. Yeah. Now the 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 scene we're looking at now is uh, yeah Oracle. Uh, we're actually seeing an advert now because we're watching it on Daily Motion. Uh, yeah, the uh, the 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 scene we're about to see with the flowers and the the meeting. They actually cut that out of the of the aired pilot and put it into one called Reunion, about seven on. So they actually had a happier meeting between these two characters, suggesting that the relationship was ongoing. But if you watch this particular bit they've cut out, it suggests that she's on her own. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> the Huntress now with um, Harley Quinn who's a therapist. I just think everything about the Huntress character on this is wrong. I don't think she's particularly likeable. I don't think her dialogue's particularly good. I think her costume's awful as well. I'd be, I'd be quite interested to read why Sherilyn Fenn was taken out of being Harley Quinn and they replaced her with Mia Sarah. Mia Sarah's last entry on IMDb was the 2013 film Pretty Pretty. She is, of course, famous for the films Legend and Ferris Bueller's Day Off and is married to Brian Henson, the son of Muppet creator Jim Henson. I think I read somewhere that it turned out the Joker hired the bloke to the bloke, the knife to stab up. I'm not sure they, they, they got that far into it. I, I have a feeling, and this is only from memory, because I, I refuse to watch them all again. By Vanessa... Somebody or another. Fact-checking monkey again. That will be a thousand miles from Vanessa Carlton from her 2002 debut album, Be Not Nobody. <laughs> we have a man running across the street before doing a little jig. And they've been knocked over by bus. But if you watch, there is no blood around him at all. <laughs> He's been killed by being run into by bus, but there's no blood or anything. I like the fact that the guy sitting on the bench who's responsible for this is dressed really inconspicuously in all black with a fedora on and some sunglasses. And this black and white dream sequence thing. Interesting point. Because originally I thought this was just trying to cash in on the success of Sin City. Sin City wasn't released until 2005. I think they ran out of colour budget. <laughs> they had to pay for all those rats that run into all of them. Quite, to be fair, I quite like the black and white. I think it's a, it's a nice choice. It makes it look a bit different. 
Maybe they should have done the entire series on that. Yeah. I mean, this is quite interesting because it's quite obvious that it's predominantly studio-bound, which we we were talking about comparing this to Gotham. And if you look at Gotham, they do use use the odd bit of location. Uh, But but this is quite obviously in a a studio set somewhere. There's a fun fact for you. Um, Birds of Prey was replaced by Grounded for Life, which starred uh, Donald Lube. He was the chin who's also the chap who plays Harvey Bullock in Gotham. I think Charmed was well before this. 95, I think, Charmed. So, so this whole uh, Detective Reese thing is very much like the, the Charmed, re- the relationship between one of the cops in Charmed and one of the witches. I think it was Alyssa Milano's character. <laughs> Complimentary Copies was actually thinking of the character of Daryl Morris that didn't have any romantic connection with the Halliwell sisters in Charmed. Interesting as well, Charmed reference. They ran a bar. We first see Huntress in a bar that looks suspiciously like the one in Charmed. Was Charmed CW as well? Yeah, it, yeah WB, pre-CW, because I think this was WB as well, yeah. wasn't it? Do you think Dinah Meyer sees this as a step down from work on Friends and the Soul? I, I think she saw it as a way to work and sit down. To be fair, though, her career wasn't particularly glorious on cinema before well, that. She was in Starship Trooper. She was, but that was... 2001? It was actually 1997, the same year that she starred in Friends. She also starred in the Saw film franchise and the TV series Point Pleasant. She's in quite a lot of Lifetime stuff as well, and like murderous babysitter and affair with teacher type things. Okay, uh, Black Canary, or not as the case may be, wandering around the streets with no lights, very dark, and gets the feeling she's being followed. And it's Aaron Paul again. Want to buy some meth? Drug dealer's apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it New Gotham as well? I'm wondering if by using the term New Gotham rather than Gotham, they get away with some licensing rights? Possibly. Okay, so um, Huntress now takes to the night to beat up Aaron Paul's character. and She seems to be wearing, she's got more cleavage on show than she did earlier. Because apparently when you cry and fight, you have to show cleavage. Well, he distracts the person you're fighting against. The lady isn't interested. There's some really bad lines in this. How are you? I'm the huntress. And you're the prey. Yeah, I know the excuse is she's a meta-human, but she she takes the sort of vampire thing. Yeah, very uh, trying to be angel. It, it, it's the fact that it can't decide its tone. Because this is very different in tone to the last, what would have been the last Batman movie at the time, which is Batman and Robin. Yeah, this this is pre-Nolan, so. Yes, Nolan's is like three years away. And I think you, you can see that in Gotham. Gotham's a lot more grounded. Yeah, it is. I suppose in comparison to Joel Schumacher's Batman movies, this is a documentary. A, a quite depressing documentary. <laughs> So if she's got a gazillion dollars worth of computer equipment, I take it we, we think that Wayne Industries has bought this for her. Okay, so Black Canary's found the clock tower. <laughs> do they ever actually... Ref- I don't think they ever refer to as the Canary in the TV series. No, I don't think so. They're a bit concerned about the name. No. So um, what does this thing do exactly? 
This machine will tell me if there's any biological evidence of the abilities you say you have. In other words, you're metahuman. It's quite interesting, actually, because they, they really do try and... I think they're trying to push the envelope with effects in the first one. They, they, there's a lot of 3D visualisation and imagery. And I think we, me and you have discussed it before, but they're going the metahuman route, uh, much like small builders. And even like the Flash now. Exactly. Belanti's picked up on that, hasn't he? And Kreisberg and really kind of run with it. See, it's quite interesting because they make Dina, which is confusing because Dina May is yeah. one of the actresses... Uh, they, they make Dinah the, the way in for the audience. But actually, she's not very relatable. We don't all have telekinesis power. <laughs> do you think we're the wrong audience for this? Yeah, but, but, but do you know what? I'm not sure that there was an audience for this. Uh, what was it? 7.5 million European figures. Is that for the pilot? That's for the pilot, yeah. It's a network record, apparently. And, and you know, at this time, there was... Cleopatra 2025. Yeah. yeah, so they're ass kicking women. You just had Buffy finished. I don't think Buffy this time. I think that Buffy was on to like season seven. So this is only 2002. Right, um, that would be Ian Abercrombie as Alfred. I like the fact that Alfred in this keeps the pervy sort of. Uh... <laughs> Look, I've got clothes for you. <laughs> is, is it Michael Gow who played Alfred in the Burton movie? He's got the same kind of pervy undertone thing. <laughs> Alfred Pennyworth, what do you do? I brought you an assortment of clothes in your size. I trust you will find them adequate. Thank you. Perhaps the shower and change. But what is quite interesting is in both this and Gotham, Alfred introduced himself with his full name in the pilot. Alfred Pennyworth, yeah. yeah. I kind of prefer Alfred like this. I, I didn't buy Jeremy Irons as Alfred. I don't much care for Sean Pertwee as Alfred. But there's quite a lot of the, the, a lot of the Batman animated makes out that um, kind of dynamic uh, involved in the action kind of Alfred. Yeah. You know, because you have, um, I can't remember, was it not Brave and the Bold? I think it was the, the Batman yes. had quite a kind of tough Alfred. I see, I, I quite like Michael Caine's Alfred. I think he, he does it quite he, he comes across as the brains of the outfit, doesn't yes. he, in uh, Nolan's Batman? Less impulsive, <laughs> very flippant. Quite, quite a lot of that in an Alfred. Who, who would you say is the greatest Alfred? Um, I, I have a soft spot for the, the guy from the Adam West. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Fact check, monkey. That'll be veteran screen actor Alan Napier. He's up in the shadows of the coward cape of that Jack Monkey today. So just to give a, a summary of what's gone on so far, we've had three minutes of exposition, we've had a little bit of ass-kicking, and now we've had an introduction to the three main characters and drawing them together. That's basically all we've had. And I think now we, we, we get into the root of uh, Huntress's issues with her parentage. Yes. They do try and they do try to achieve quite a lot in forty-five minutes. Yeah, but their issue is that they don't do it subtly enough. The, the dialogues are very clunky. You said lots of exposition, which is again in comparison to something like Gotham. It's quite nice how they introduce the Penguin, they, yes. a passing comment. They also introduce Ed Nigma, don't they? Yeah, but they do so it supposedly Joker as well in the nightclub, you know. But they do it in a very kind of subtle way. 
it, it, it's almost better than nod. Awesome. I have more. I have more issues with the introduction of like poison ivy. Oh yeah. Which are very kind of on the nose. Anyway, we're back at the office of Harley. Uh, Harleen Quinzel. The one thing I would say that's Sherilyn Fenn's favour compared to uh, Mia Sarah is when she does that kind of pudding accent at the end. It's a lot better than Mia Sarah's because I actually went back and listened to her doing the Harley Quinn, and I I thought uh, Sherilyn Fenn was closer to the animated. We should just explain that Sherilyn Fenn only played Harley Quinn in the pilot, and she was actually replaced by Mia Sarah. Thank you. In the, in the regular series, somebody pointed out there was a review of the, this pilot episode from the time on um, Ain't It Cool News, and they pointed out the mind control. Um, Villain is very similar to the scarecrow. Do you think this is a like a they, they attempt to make it more, more of a grounded approach? So I get the impression that Oracle could probably solve most of these crimes on their own. You know, it's not so much that Huntress provides a vital service to her; it's just the fact the Huntress has legs. Which is very similar to uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Angelina Jolie oh, in Bone Collector. Bone Collector. That's that's the one thing is she's she's got this meta human and she's got this cat's vision yet she didn't see as she entered a bloke hanging up from the rafters <laughs> and how did the detective get there so fast you have to wonder we're sorry the number you have dialed is not in service at this time how close would you say huntress's um costume in here is to the actual comic not that close it's close to black canaries it is this man he was dead when i got here really Oh, so then the best you can say for yourself is you were uh, robbing a dead guy. You're a detective. Detect. That's a really bad line. You're a detective. Detect. You, you've seen more of this than I have. As the series develops, there's a relationship. Yeah, they have a bit of a kind of uh, romancy thing. Not quite at the level of uh, moonlighting. <laughs> but uh, interestingly, he starts wearing leather as well and exposing <laughs> his chest. Oh, so they address the issue of the non-mask wearing. It's because she's got daddy, daddy issues. That's an interesting development, isn't it? The idea that Oracle tracked down Batman in order to train it to be Batman. And you will find that the actual, the that they do they do arc the story across the across the the series, but it's linked to Mia Sarah's Harley Quinn where she's only in, like, a third of the episodes, I think. But she's supposed to be manipulating everyone in the criminal underworld to do her good, which is, I think, the same as Mooney in Gotham? Yes, I think so. It's in about the first tenor. See, I don't, I don't think the angst is necessarily misplaced, because it's certainly in terms of Oracle, she's crippled and spends the rest of her life in the wheelchair. <laughs> but there doesn't seem to be any outlet for her. <laughs> She now puts on these goggles that look a bit like um, the Ecto goggles from Ghostbusters. Uh, spending quite a lot on effects here because they yeah, sure. they wrap uh, Oracle round with a kind of virtual type thing. Yeah, yeah. Which again, the, a little bit dated, but it doesn't look too bad. No. Mainly down to I think the, how they light this because it is in order for them to disguise that most of it's actually on set. I think they they low light it and only cast cast kind of light onto the bits that they want you to see. And we're back. You see, 
see, it would be it would have been better if they'd have linked those five four people missing or that committed suicide with Wayne Industries. Yeah. And then you would have had a proper link. <laughs> so we've gone to flashback now with the Batgirl Batman versus the Joker. Which I just think some of the better footage of the holes. And I don't know why they didn't put this right at the start with no real explanation. No. Go to her being shot yep. and then start the, the start the episode. Yeah, it would have been a brilliant hook. So slow-mo, um, Batgirl fighting, is that henchman? It's a bit difficult to see what's going on, but she looks the business in her costume. I get the reluctance to show the costume in the daylight, keep it in the show. It's good to see the Joker. I'm not, I'm not crazy about the fact that Joker can fire electricity from his hand. Oh, it's supposed to be his, um, yeah, it's supposed to be his uh, handshake buzzer, isn't it? And there's, there's Batman, again, kept to the shadows, which is quite good. Expl I, I mustn't, I can't have been paying attention properly. Explain to me the subplot. What's going on with this bloke? He was one of Joker's financial backers, right. and he's, he's trying to start to control the city again through various entrances and exits. It's a bit wire because they're now trying to control it through the, the ports right, first off. Yeah. To be fair, I think there's a lot to like in this pilot. There's a lot of good ideas. It's just they're all kind of hodgepodge together. Yeah. I think like you said earlier, they can't decide what kind of show it wants to be. Which is weird because normally by, by pilot season, and, and I know we're looking at the unaired pilot, but they would have made the edits and cuts to, sure. to put it in a certain direction because they would have probably commissioned it. Yeah, yeah. Because I think, like you said, even the air pilot's not that much different. This is nicely shot, very sinister, lots of shadows. Some nice contrast here. The, um, the bad guy has drugged Huntress and she's sat there in some kind of a, 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 a haze and you can hear Oracle talking to her via the headset and also the uh, antagonist talking to her. There's a nice contrast between voices. Stuff and slow down. Some very, um, some very askew camera angles as well, which works. Huntress is about to spill the beans. <laughs> but it's very kind of Sin City. Um, just a few colours highlighted. Like you said earlier, shot on video. Everything was kind of shot on video at this point. It's very crisp, but I think that works. Okay, the sort of like um, new metal soundtrack kicks in. It's a very sort of, you know, like um, Ben Affleck's Daredevil followed this by a year. But the, it's the whole, um, I don't know what was the band who did that. Evan Evanescence. Hello, fact-checking monkey here again. At the title the guys were referring to was Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. It was released in 2003 and featured guest vocals from Paul McCoy from the band 12 Stones. <laughs> do, do you know what the, the, the bad guy looks like, actually? He looks like Warren Beatty. In, uh, it's racing. Yes, yeah, but, but in a black trench coat. Again, you've got to get your um, quota of fists for punching. Decent amount of fisting in this. Uh, <laughs> and why is he stronger in her head? Because if it's her head, she would be Exactly, yeah. And she knows the, the, the extent of her own powers. <laughs> Where would you put this aside, sort of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Smallville? Do you prefer this to Smallville? God, no. Did you enjoy Smallville? Yeah, later, I think later series stretched the, the point a little bit. I think it probably went on too long. 
Um, I would say their their best season was when they first introduced uh, Lois. All right, yeah. I I, th I think it was around about four, five, when he started kind of realising his hero potential. Lois Lane, played by Erica Durance, was introduced at the start of the fourth season of Smallville to investigate the apparent death of her cousin, Chloe Sullivan. They lost it. They lost it a bit when they brought James Masters in as Brainiac. Right. It, it was a lot better when you had Michael Rosenbaum in. Berg, Berg. That's New York-born actor Michael Rosenbaum. <laughs> that, that. Yeah, the dynamic was very good. It was very similar, I think, to The Flash and uh, Dr. Dr. Harrison Wells. Okay. So she break, breaks through a brick wall. If this, whose head is this in? This is in the Huntress's head? Yeah, it's in the Huntress's head. Why wouldn't she see Oracle in full Batgirl costume? I don't know. And why, if she thinks she can break through a brick wall in her own head, why throw her through a window? <laughs> okay, and she stabbed him even though they don't kill people. Yeah. Oh, I love this bit. Oh, there's a bit of a link in her hands. Love this bit. It's very charmed, this. Because yes. they, they did that. So much oh, exposition. That's, oh, that's very <laughs> Okay, so Dirty Detective Bruce has dropped uh, the criminal off at uh, Arkham Asylum. And Harley Quinn is now alone with the criminal. <laughs> I guess this is, this is where we see the true Harley Quinn. Oh, Larry. Wait. A disappointment. Isn't it? I needed those dockyards, Larry. I had a dream of New Gotham. People writhing in pain. Dying in the streets. Everything under my command. You have ruined my dream. But she is at least doing the Harley voice now. So there's that, that separation between her doctor voice and her villain voice. Good line coming up now, though. Sometimes I close my eyes and I can almost feel it. What it was like to race across rooftops under the moon. Cold, wet. Hell on your nails. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that that was uh, Birds of Prey from 2002. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Uh, there are 13 episodes available. Want to go watch them all? And then come over to Facebook, uh, Facebook slash Strangers to the Multiplex, and tell us all about them. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast today. If this is your first uh, podcast, there are others available to listen to can be found on SoundCloud and we can be visited on Facebook like I said it's Facebook slash Strangers to the Multiplex and you can tweet us at Strangers TTM we should be back soon with another episode our thanks as always to Complimentary Copies for supplying the theme tune until next time don't be a stranger Multiplex.